Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Blog Talk Radio. What's your sign? Do you know? Let me guess. Your Scorpio. What's your rising? Where's your moon? Scorpios are pretty cool. See, I'm a sage. <laughs> so they say. I'm a butterfly. I like to play. I'm always aiming into the sky. I point my arrows extremely high. Cause everyone Right now, I would say that 
we have three planets in Aries, four planets in Aries, sorry, Uranus is also in Aries. And it's an awful lot of rhetoric when we have Aries, you know, possibility of aggressive behavior, but also a lot of chest thumping. And um, that's what we see a lot of right now. Um, On a lighter note, just so that I can touch on this Venus-Mars conjunction, we do have Venus uh, almost at 18 uh, Aries, and it's catching up very quickly with Mars at 18 Aries. And um, this is a time when Venus and Mars are integrated in the same sign, and it's um, a wonderful time for certain kinds of things, you know, like love, love magic, you know, wanting to be able to bring about a loving relationship during the Venus-Mars conjunction is sort of auspicious. So it doesn't really matter what sign it's in, particularly, although this would be definitely a feisty, fiery kind of love. Um, Anyone who has uh, any planets in their chart that are in the 17th or particularly the 18th degree of a cardinal sign, you have extra energy there for love. Um, and um, that's the lighter side of all these planets in Aries. The the Uranian-Pluto square, which is, of course, getting closer um, to an exact degree, which is um, uh, Pluto will go uh, retrograde, actually, in another week uh, or so, and uh, Uranus will still be going direct, so that by the time we get to about the third or fourth week of May, we're going to be having an exact square. It's not so far off, and in astrology, we know that timing is, um, you know, not something that you just look at and go, oh, well, this is the exact day that something's happening, an aspect is being made, that's the day when it happens. It's not. Anything can happen in what we call the orb of influence or the realm. You could think of it's in the realm. Um, it's, it's like, um, you know, being able to be uh, close and still be able to get points. You know, you can get points hitting the dartboard, and you don't have to be in the bullseye. So there's 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 different levels of energy, and then there's a peak energy, but often things don't happen exactly on the day of the peak energy. They happen with other triggers um, that, that are occurring, because the planetary movements are quite complex, and timing is one of the most unique pieces of art in astrology. So uh, for, for, for my uh, viewing the chart and the global energy right now and seeing aggressive behavior coming out of certain countries in the world, uh, it's not just North Korea, there's other countries, um, I think that we'll, we'll be interested to pay attention to right there the last day of April and the very beginning of May. That's a time when Mars is going to be in opposition to uh, Saturn. And uh, since Saturn is in Scorpio, it's adding, I think, a strong trigger to um, energy that's being contributed to the Uranian-Pluto square. So, um, you know, wouldn't uh, necessarily uh, be surprised if things did did continue to escalate. I did look at... Um, the um the ruler the new ruler of uh North Korea I looked at his chart uh Jong Un and um I saw that he's having a Saturn return he's quite young he's only in his late 20s 
So he's having a Saturn return, and he's having a Saturn return in Scorpio. That darker side of that can be kind of paranoid, you know. His whole, some of his rhetoric that he believes about the United States, about being overpowered or victimized or, you know, all these different kinds of dark energies where it's uh, revengeful or having, the, you know, like a scorpion, you know, Scorpio, like a scorpion backing up into a corner with the stinger up, you know, because there's this tremendous fear of being annihilated. Scorpio, it's that destructive energy. And what's interesting is that I think that's in his family thread. You know, like in his family thread, you can look and possibly see that he could be projecting family dynamics actually right onto the United States. So um, that's something we have to look out for with him because his Saturn return in Scorpio, he's trying to be a grown up. But, you know, what is he going to? risk losing in order to be able to prove that he is that risk losing because of Scorpio loss and um, uh, transformation transforming from one one form into another I guess I'm watching my words quite carefully right there um, so anyway when at when and as the planets begin beginning on April 20th just in about 15 days they're all going to one after another begin moving into um, Taurus, because we've been watching them collectively, they've been together for a while, um, and they were in Pisces for so long, now they're in Aries, and soon they're going to be in Taurus, and we'll see, particularly Mars in opposition to Saturn, is a trigger for um, for the Uranian-Pluto square, so we'll pay attention to that as we get closer to that, and as we get closer to May. Right now, in case you're thinking about today, um, uh, the moon is square to Saturn, the moon's in Aquarius, and right now it's square to Saturn, so Aquarius, uh, Scorpio square. If you had any conflicts with any kind of friends today, any kind of female friends in particular, um, that was coming from the oppressive nature of Saturn and its relationship to a square moon. Um, Neptune moving forward nicely in Pisces. I quite like that. I still see it as being in a, in a positive relationship with Saturn, so it's, it softens it and it makes that nice. And even as we move through the summer, they're going to become more and more and more uh, trying to one another. So that also will provide some assistance uh, because maybe there's going to be some level of compassion that's added to the mix and maybe some people will feel like they don't really want to martyr themselves. That would be the shadow side of Pisces. So hopefully we won't go in that direction and we'll more go in the direction of thinking of each other and possibly what it is that we're going through in the face of the global challenges that we have right now. That's your Global Energy Minute. I'm Dr. Craig, and let me get back to my switchboard and just go over and see area code 773. Are you with me here? I am, Dr. Craig. Good evening. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Have I spoken to you before? No, I've never heard your show before. Okay, hi. Um, let me open up my astrology software because you'll be my my first caller for the night and I'll take some information if you want for me to look at your chart. That'd be great, thank you. Okay, good. Um, what's your uh, first name? Mary. Mary. And the first initial of your last name? R. R. And your birthday, Mary? 52445. Uh, May the 24th, 1945, and the time of birth? 4.38 p.m., daylight saving time. Right, and the place? 
Chicago, Illinois. Great. Have you um have you had your chart read before? I have. Okay. It should be twenty two Libra rising, right? It is. Okay. So it's- um yeah, this is an interesting um you know, kind of year for you because you have Jupiter in Gemini and you are a Gemini and you have Saturn in Scorpio and you have your moon in Scorpio. So you have, you know, Jupiter basically conjuncting your sun and Saturn conjuncting your moon. Um, I guess it can kind of make you feel like you're getting pulled in several directions. Um, having Libra rising makes you, you know, fairly, I would imagine, relationship-oriented, and Venus is the ruler of your chart. It's right sitting exactly on the descendant on the seventh house cusp. Are you in a relationship? Are you married? No, I'm not. Have you but been married? A, uh, no. Uh-uh. No. Hmm. No. But I had an interesting question I wanted to ask you about that very aspect. I noticed... Okay. Um, on the new moon, on the 10th, I'm going to have the sun, the moon, Venus, and Mars sitting right on my little Venus. So what do you, what do you think is going to happen with that? On April the 10th? Right. The new moon. Um, yeah. And I'm just looking down here at the ephemeris. The new moon is. It's at, um, right, 21 degrees Aries. Um I think that's quite powerful. Why not manifest, uh, you know, a relationship out of that energy? I, I that's what I was saying when I was talking about Venus and Mars being conjunct, is that there's the possibility of, you know, like creating love life magic out of that energy. And for you in particular, um, extremely strong because Mars is the ruler of your house of relationships. You know, I mean... I think it's interesting to me to see the, you know, the year in which you're born and then ask you if you've ever been married and you say no. Um, That's got to be an interesting story, and I'm sure it has to do with the fact that you have Mars and Venus and Aries yourself in your own chart. So, you know, that you're you're very much of an independent person, and I'm sure it's been... um, Maybe difficult at times to imagine uh, not so much compromising but sacrificing any part of your strong individuality and your your strong independent nature for even the benefit of the relationship because there's a lot there's so much strong fire and then you also have the moon in Scorpio in the first house, so you know in opposition to your mercury so there there's some there's some very strong passionate uh, opinions and ideas that you have that um you know may uh, I wouldn't say prevent you but just they're just so strong and they're so a part of your personal framework that uh it may be difficult for you to well, I've been I've been in two long time relationships in my life but never the piece of paper and right. pretty interesting with Aries men <laughs> yeah, well, that that's challenging for you. I think that with Aries men is probably somewhat good for you. It's a great match oh, yeah. for Gemini. Mm-hmm. Scorpio even has a tendency to like Aries because they're very straight shooters. Mm-hmm. So when you know, like when you're dealing with your Moon in Scorpio, there's going to be some level of distrust, possibly, of of intimacy or of being emotionally hurt. 
Uh, also, your sun is in the eighth house, so that's another whole layer of Scorpio energy. So, you know, there's more levels of potential mistrust or distrustful or suspiciousness of people uh, lying to you, quite frankly, or not being upfront with you, and then the resulting feeling of that, you know, recoiling and not being intimate. I think Aries is a potentially a good choice for you. I'm surprised that it that it didn't, you know, one of them didn't necessarily last longer. Uh, but if you're uh, saying they that they were long term, both of them, does that mean what? They were pretty long, plus, twenty five years, years one. But we just didn't get married, you know. Five years plus, ten years plus. Right, twenty five and one and ten and another. Ah, twenty five. That's one. That's a good one. And and mm-hmm. and and after twenty five, you guys were just done with it, huh? Right. Yeah. That's intense, huh? Yeah, well, at least I didn't get bored easy. Quick. (laughs) (laughs) For a Gemini, that's saying a lot. Yeah, really. Well, he had Venus-Mars conjunction at three degrees Gemini, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. It's amazing that it didn't, you know, it it wasn't something that the two of you ended up working out or whatever that bump was at 25 years that... Because you would have been extremely attracting, attractive to him, and he would have been extremely attractive to you. Oh, absolutely. You know, where was his son? What day of April? Um, the 4th. Right. So you're dealing with about 10, 10 or 11 degrees of Aries. So it right. was pretty much conjunct your Mars. What I thought also was interesting, we both had 22 degrees Libra rising. 22 degrees Libra rising. Right. Maybe you were too similar. Yeah, probably so. But it was a great 25 years, you know. Maybe you were too similar. And then what happened? Well, we just went our separate ways. He married someone else. And then I got into a different relationship. So it was fine. (laughs) Whatever is meant to be, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah, and then you ended up now, then again, in another relationship for 10 years. Right. 10 more years after that, but now you're single again. I am, <laughs> and I'm looking, especially on the 10th. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that it happens on the 10th, but that's an amazing day for you to, uh, you know, light a candle, do a mantra, um, you know, join a dating site, go to a social event, um, it, it's a it's a great day for you to initiate a process. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to bump into someone that day. Uh, my experience with with the alignment of Mars and 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 Venus is that it can initiate a process. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's like a day when you're going to turn around like Cinderella and bump into him. Um, but um, but but it, but if you put energy into it on that day, I'm not saying that it can't happen either. It obviously right. can because it's a magical thing and it happens to be right on your Venus. That's quite special. Right. And I'm starting a new job, an additional job that night. So I you're starting a new job that at that time. On the 10th, right. You know, that's great. That's great for the job because you do have Mars in the 6th. But I feel like that's also coming from Saturn conjuncting your moon. And your moon's the ruler of the 10th. And so it's putting a focus back on work for you. It, You know, I mean, yeah, maybe you're going to walk in and you're going to find somebody that's a co-worker there. But I would be... Um, 
you know, cautious about anticipating how or where you're going to encounter it because the nature of the of that magical alignment between Venus and Mars is that it's often a surprise. You know, that that's that's not it's not something that you can pin down and be certain of. Well, it should be fun though. Yeah, absolutely. Alternately, you know, you have, um, you know, some changes around Saturn. If there's anything going on in your home right now, you have a Pluto in opposition to your Saturn, Uranus square your Saturn. So that's a lot of energy on your Saturn, which is about your spirituality because it's in the ninth house. But it also, Saturn's the ruler of your fourth, so it's about where you live. So if you're, you know, if you're planning on moving or if you need to move, um, you should kind of surrender with that and go with the flow and move to the next best place for living situation. If it's something having to do just with the home, not necessarily about moving from the home, if it's something inside the home or something structural about the home that needs to be changed or repaired or remodeled, then you also should do that before like a Uranian energy forces you to do that. Well, this sounds probably right about, that's probably right. I've lived in this home for 60 years, and it's probably a little repair. And I don't think I'm moving, so it probably is a repair. Yeah, I mean, just because Saturn's the ruler of your fourth house and, um, you know, your Uranian energy can be quite sudden. So you have Saturn is about stable structure, and, um, you know, your home is obviously a big part of the stable structure that you expect to be consistent. That's what Saturn rules. It rules the consistent things in our life. And sometimes those things get us into a rut if we don't renew them. So you have some energy surrounding renewing some aspect of your of your living environment. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. How often is your show on? Every every Thursday. Every Thursday. Yeah, I've just okay. been doing a special series on the uh, on the twelve houses, and I'm gonna um, get over to that and jump in on that right now. But those, I really appreciate you calling. Are the other in ones being, in the archives? Say it again. Are the other? Oh, all the shows are in the archives. Yeah, oh, wonderful. For more, for well, thank you very much. I'm really now. enjoying your show. It's very good. Thanks so much for calling in, Mary. I'll talk Have to you again sometime. Have a good evening. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. So tonight's show is about the um, the eleventh uh, house. So it's about friendship, and um, it's about associations and uh, the 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 beliefs, the ideal systems, the ideals that we develop uh, surrounding our connections with people who are like-minded. So we look at you know why you know who are our friends. Well, you know, customarily, the friends that we choose, if the 11th house is ultimately about some kind of conscious, collective conscious, which means that it means we're all basically thinking the same thing. So, like, political parties are involved in a collective conscious, but they represent an association, religious groups. If you go to a church or a synagogue or something like that, that's a part of a collective conscious because you're all thinking the same thing. I think the 12th house is probably the most complicated, and we'll be tackling that next week. But for for this week, we're talking about the idea that people can be of a like mind. 
They can be of a, they can have a similar mind. And the people that we find that we're attracted to in friendship are those people that we have a like mind with. Usually we don't we don't keep friends with people that are that are not like us. You see like uh I don't know, saw some T V show last night and it was like part of the plot line was a whole group of biker guys, you know, with their girls, you know. Well that's a whole sort of culture of friendship and it's based on their love of biking or and whatever other aspects they have to their group, you know. And it can be um affiliations based on all kinds of things, you know, musical interest when a whole group of people get together and they're in a concert together because they all really love the band that's playing or they all really go and see a game together because they all really love the team that that's that's playing. That's a part of the collective energy that represents friendship. And you could say like, yeah, you know, like I recognize that. I go to that concert. I look over at the girl or the guy next to me and they're singing those songs too and I love those songs. I feel friendship with them because it's a part of the collective energy. When we bring that in and we make it even more personal, we end up with our friends, the group of people that we would call our friends. Those people are the representation of our ideals about life. So whether they're political, spiritual, financial, uh, family-oriented, because right, we make friends based on ideals about raising children. It can be a part of a school system, so you have the ideal of sending your kid to this particular school, or one of your ideals is to take your kid for swim lessons, and all of a sudden the other people that are in the swim class with you, you can connect with them in a friendly way. Some things are more minor, like that example, right? That's a minor example, and maybe the friendships are not deep in that environment. Friendships become deeper when you realize that you actually have a connected sense of ideals with this group. So the 11th house is about the friends, associations, groups, and communities that we choose to get involved in because those friendships and groups represent a reflection of our ideals. I think that it's really important to know that that stems from, hopefully, partly, what it is that we've chosen in the tenth. So we talked last week about the tenth, about what it is that we do, and we said that what it is that we do comes from our own philosophical beliefs from the ninth. So even the last four houses are going to um, work off of each other in that we have a philosophical belief that we establish about life that hopefully guides us to what it is that we choose to be in the world, like our Capricorn, our social status, our nature about life. And then from there, what it is that we've chosen to do often guides us to the groups and associations that we're with because professional associations professional groups of people. I know that if I go down and do the expo in February or October down at the Los Angeles Hilton, if I see another astrologer there, I'll go, always go over. I make a friend right there just because that person is an astrologer. All of a sudden, they've got to be a friend because there's an affiliation 11th house also has to do with affiliation that's coming directly right away through my career.
career with that person. It happens here in, in Los Angeles a lot, people who are actors, people who are writers. It's not necessarily seen as competitive, you know, like that I guess there can be competition between friends, but if you're confident in your own niche, you know, like then the astrology that someone else might be doing at the expo could be totally different than mine. Uh, she or he is going to attract totally different people than I am. And my feeling is more like, wow, you you, you speak my language, so therefore we have something in common. Uh, we both have a common experience of uh, working in a similar field, therefore we know the ins and outs of what it takes on a daily basis for us to do this job. We already have a foundation, what what is called a collective conscious. conscious. It's in the forefront of our mind. It is something we are aware of. So we could substitute that word and call it a collective awareness. So collective awareness is what it is that we're aware of that we believe based on the philosophy and based on our social status. If you're someone who, say, uh, is more of a right-wing person and you live in the South and you hang out in that environment with other people who go to your church and who eat in the same restaurants, then you're going to develop a collective awareness of the beliefs that you have because they're going to be reinforced by your own uh, group of people. And we maintain that group in order to be able to reinforce our collective awareness. What we're aware of, aware of, conscious of what we think in our mind is reinforced because the people in the group and the friends that we're intimate with, meaning we have good connections with some people, those people reinforce through our socializing with them. Aquarius is an air sign. Aquarius is the sign of the 11th house. And those socializings are going to reinforce the the beliefs and, and the ideals. Ideals, we call it ideals because they're, the, Aquarius definitely does deal with hope. You know, you could have one side of the equation that's hopeful for marriage equality and the other side of the equation that's hopeful for, um, you know, uh, traditional marriage exclusivity or whatever you want to call that, you know. But they're still both hopeful for that, even though consciously and collectively they have a conscious awareness of their own ideal their own ideal um, path based on their philosophy and their belief system and what it is that they do outwardly for for work and for and for um, and for jobs so it's it's a, it's very important to to recognize that we associate you know there's an expression that you can tell a lot about a man or a woman by the friends they keep and that's because we don't choose to be friends with people unless they are some reflection of ourselves. And people who aren't a reflection of ourselves or our ideals or our beliefs won't be friends with us for long. We will choose to distance ourselves from them for one reason or another. I mean, obviously, some people have more, let's say, commitment and intimacy issues. They may distance themselves from people just because they have a low tolerance of 
of, you know, differences or whatever. But most people, I think, long to have a few friends in their life, and they're willing to um, tolerate their differences and communicate their differences with them just so that they can be a part of a collective energy that's looking at life in a somewhat uniform way. So the hopes are then that our collective conscious will be able to enact some kind of um, way of living. And it's why Aquarius in general, you know, I understand that you could have something extremely conservative, let's say like Capricorn on your 11th house cusp, and then you're going to have a much more serious, let's say, group of friends or career-oriented friends or friends that are in the same career or friends at work, etc., etc. This is the way we look at it in astrology. You could have a very much more, let's say, leaning more towards a liberal kind of set of friends. If Aquarius was on that cusp, and it would be more of a live-and-let-live kind of um, friendship. That's not always, you know, you can't always say that Capricorns are conservative, but they are more serious and more conservatively oriented, even if they have liberal beliefs. Um, planets, let's say, can also be in the 11th house, and that can also guide us to see what kinds of friends someone might have. If it's, uh, if it's Uranian, they might have some very eclectic, interesting, and a diverse group of friends. If it's Neptune, they could have some very spiritually oriented friends. If it's Pluto, they could have some very intense uh, friends that are very transformational in their lives, always finding that they're contacting someone who's transforming those ideals and those belief systems, or being involved with a group of friends that wants to transform, uh, let's say, like the world through their collective belief system. So though different ways in which we put the 11th house together, I think, are very dynamic in astrology because um, it's a place where we finally have reached a pinnacle of group communication, a peak of group communication where we began in um, Gemini. We were just learning how to speak and how to communicate. We were learning how diverse and interesting language is. It can inform us. It can make us laugh. Uh, we can find meaning in language. We can affect people emotionally with our words. We can be affected emotionally. We go to Aquarius and we learn how to take those words and, and the mind and apply it to one-on-one um, uh, -on -one group interaction. So that uh, so that one-on-one -on -one interaction, um, not a group, but one-on-one -on -one intimate relationship. So we can learn how to compromise. We can learn how to negotiate. We can learn how to um, collaborate. Those are really big, nice words for Libra and for the seventh house. And then finally, we become a part of society in general. And as we grow older, we have friends and people that mean something to us who along the way have represented some mirror of our own personal ideals. They're the people in our lives who are the most strongly connected to what it is that we believe about life and what we believe about life consciously. And that in that way, we socialize with them. We socialize as a part of the 11th house, as a part of the Aquarian energy, so that we can collectively get together, talk, reinforce um, uh, these, this, the, the, the thinking and the communication between one another in the group. The... Uh, 
the eleventh house in in the tarot is represented by the star. Uh, that's the uh, Uranian Aquarian card in the tarot, and um, it shows a woman, and she has um, one foot on the land and one foot in the water, and she's pouring water from a vase into the water. And on the land, there's also rivulets of um, water. There's five of them. And the general idea is that Aquarian energy in the 11th house is our ability to contact. It's the conduit between our grounded experience of the world and what's going to become the 11th house. Anyone who knows or understands anything about affirmation, affirmation or mantra, where you repeat something over and over again, or you wake up every morning, you look in the mirror and you say, you know, I am healthy, I am wealthy, or whatever, that it there's a repetition of those conscious beliefs that filter into your unconscious, and your unconscious is the the magical manifester. Your unconscious is the mag our magical ability to manifest, to to actually create something. So that when you in what they say is impregnate, right? Because they they look at the unconscious mind as either like a blank canvas or or fertile soil that can continue to be renewed. And there's this energy coming from the conscious mind, from the eleventh house from the friends we keep, from the conversations that we have uh, with people where we develop a, a set of mantras that are actually filtering down and becoming a part of our unconscious mind. So this is another beautiful thing about the 11th is that that reinforcement of our ideals is what filters down into our unconscious. It not only manifests for us things locally, in other words, things will manifest in our lives, circumstances and opportunities based on the 11th house conscious belief system, but they will also, those beliefs, filter down into your unconscious mind and create global manifestations because the 12th house is going to be about the unconscious collective where not only are the beliefs being consciously fought, let's say, in a Supreme Court case where there's two different sides of the equation, but the beliefs which are being filtered down to the unconscious are affecting us all. How, do, how does someone have a change of mind? Sometimes it has nothing to do with the conscious debate. Sometimes it simply has to do with a, enough energy tapping into the collective unconscious so that the collective unconscious of someone else picks up on it and it filters back up into the conscious mind of that person. So um, it's certainly one of the principles behind advertising also, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But it is about how collectively we see advertising or, you know, we all, um, you know, go out and say, oh, Whole Foods, that's a great store. I like the quality. I like this and that. And then someone who's never been to Whole Foods ends up going to Whole Foods just because all the people who already go to Whole Foods think that it's a nice place to go. That's, that's the idea behind 
the collective unconscious is that there's a feed of energy that's existing between us that creates a conduit between the conscious and the unconscious. It's definitely going to be more about that next week. So I hope that you'll join me on um, Thursday, March the 11th at um, at uh, 8 p.m., Los Angeles time when we finish our series on the houses and do the 12th. I am Dr. Craig Martin. I'm going to leave you tonight with hot tuna and goodbye to the blues. I'll talk to you next Thursday. Bye-bye.
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.